thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the fabulous co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is the lovable Labradoodle of wellness. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, Labradoodle. <laughs> I love that one. I haven't had that ever before. I don't know how you keep doing it. We've had so many episodes, and I've got different names every time. I love it. Thanks, MP. Great to be here. Very excited about today's uh, um interview it's going to be amazing this is incredible bit i i am almost a bit embarrassed that we haven't had our next guest on uh, the show in over 200 episodes but better late than never dr john hart Good is call. the author of the brain book he is the founder of the heart clinic he, which is a busy functional medicine practice uh, specializing in brain health and this is what i love about dr john hart what makes him so awesome is that he's not simply an academic practitioner mm. on brain health he's a living example of what taking responsibility for your health can bring when dr john Turned 50, he was overweight, had constant fatigue and brain fog, a fading memory, no libido or enthusiasm. When he considered what life would be like 10 years from then, he didn't like the answer. And so he decided to research anti-aging and functional medicine to share with us not only what he's learnt, but also how he's helping people make the rest of their life the best of their life. It's a very warm 100 not out welcome to Dr. John Hart. Thanks for joining us, John. My pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. It's a great story that you have. Can you just um, give people a bit of an insight as to what type of resilience and determination it took for you, you know, as a medical doctor, but that, that, that had the symptoms of, um, you know, uh, mediocre health, um, what it took for you to actually um, turn that around? Because I, I bet your friends uh, were probably very happy for you to, to stay where you were. To do what you did would have taken a fair bit of resilience, I think. Yes, it's uh, going against the traditional model of uh, wait until you're sick and then try and pick up the pieces. Uh, which works reasonably well if you've got an infection or, say, a fractured bone, but 80 to 90% of people die of chronic degenerative diseases that occur every day, small amount, over decades, and that damage that accumulates over our life cannot just be reversed in a day with a pill. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's those sort of chronic degenerative diseases that are the commonest killers now are, are multifactorial, and the, the model of one pill for one ill just does not work. It never has, never will. And, and you know, for instance, in brain health, in between 2002 and 2012, there were 244 studies in the US testing a single drug for Alzheimer's disease. And all but one failed. Many made the disease worse. And the only one that worked only worked slightly because they're looking for a one pill for the, for the ill. But this is an ill as with cancer and heart attack and stroke and osteoporosis that has many causes. And if you want to reverse it, you have to address the many causes. It's a great call, John. And 244 studies is an enormous amount of studies. I can't even imagine um, the amount of funding that were required to uh, to get 244 studies to just measure drugs. That's, that's mind-blowing. It's billions of dollars, absolutely billions of dollars. And they're still doing it. They're still... <sighs> If they're still testing, you know, antibodies and individual drugs, and they're all they're always failing. They always will. Yeah, ambulance at the bottom of the cliff doesn't always work. That's yeah, what you're saying there. But John, um, Marcus alluded before um, to a journey that you would have had had to have undertaken to get your body back in shape. Was it difficult to get back in shape? Was it tough? What What are the things that you had to do to get yourself back on sh- in shape so that you could then go and teach? 
you know, all the thousands of people that, you know, are lining up at your door to come and see you now, um, you know, how to live a healthy life. What did you have to do? Yeah, I think um, I think the first uh, barrier uh, to overcome is just to realize that you can take responsibility for your health, to, to realize that Mother Nature in your 20s and your 30s worked very hard to keep you at optimal health because you had to reproduce and you had to bring up the next generation. But from the 30s onwards, Mother Nature actually doesn't want you around because you're taking up food and space for the next generation. So there's no evolutionary drive to keep you healthy. So as far as Mother Nature is concerned, you should go and get out of the way. Now, if, if, if you follow Mother Nature's guide, um, you will degenerate and decay and maybe dry suddenly from a heart attack or a stroke or you might spend some time in a nursing home on, on the way out and, and that slow degenerative decline. But uh, if you're prepared to take responsibility and basically take over some of the automatic processes that were happening in your 20s and 30s but are not happening in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, we've got the technology now to identify these processes that are, are failing as we age and to replace them, to stimulate them, um, and, and to maintain optimal health and extend our health span. So my, so my priority is not to extend my lifespan, it's to extend my health span so that I don't spend any time in a nursing home. And uh, I think as a consequence, I will extend my lifespan, which is great, but I don't want to get live longer if it means it's in a nursing home. That's a waste of time. But there's lots of things we can do to identify the factors that are causing the chronic degeneration that shorten our health span and shorten our lifespan and reverse them. Oh, there's so much in there, and uh, and I, I want to go in any number of directions. But, John, I'd like to just ask you one thing, which you probably mentioned in your first answer about about the multiple studies, and this is probably more for clarification than anything else because I know now you, know, you really are helping people um, – do something which a lot of people think is a normal part of aging and you actually help people reverse uh, and I don't I, I want to be cautious here in how I say it because I don't want to say that you're you're curing people of Alzheimer's but you're helping people actually improve their brain health when most um, traditional say healthcare outlets might be saying that that's not possible and that it might be a normal part of aging but before we get into that can you just clarify for our listeners because I think it gets bandied about so much people hear Alzheimer's and they hear dementia and they probably don't think the two are different can you just clarify for people that you know how dementia is is an umbrella term and that there's multiple causes of dementia? Because, again, I don't think society still truly has a grasp of it. Sure. Yeah, so dementia is just loss of cognitive function. So your brain is sick. There are brain cells that are sick and not working properly and there are brain cells dying and disappearing. And that means that the brain doesn't have the ability to do what it does. Now, the stuff that it does is mood control, uh, attention and focus, memory, sleep control, libido, motivation, these are all functions of the brain. Now, if the brain is sick and the brain cells are not working properly and they're dying off, then the brain loses its ability to control those functions. Just like, you know, if you have a heart attack and you kill off some heart muscle, then it's a weaker pump. Um, so the functions that, so the symptoms we see in, in, in this process of cognitive decline is, so you might start to get depressed or anxious or irritable, poor sleep, low libido, uh, poor memory, poor attention and focus, poor executive function, you know, planning things into the future and looking at consequences of consequences of consequences, the more complicated brain functions. They're all the things that go in this uh, steady decline. The way I think about it in terms of the brain is that when you finish growing, you have around about 85 billion brain cells, and that's the you know, end of adolescence. From then on, you're losing brain cells. Um, you 
and the average is about 8,000 a day, but you can lose more than that, you can lose less than that, depending entirely on what you do to your brain. So there's good stuff that you can put into your brain that keeps the brain cells healthy and alive, and there's bad stuff you can put in which makes them sick and kills them. So that 8,000 a day average decline can be much less, can be much more, depending on what you do, which is fantastic news. Now, you can't you can't slow the decline, but certainly as, as that decline increases over time, if you can identify the good things that you don't have that you need and the bad things that you do have that you shouldn't have in your brain and in your body, uh, then you can reverse that decline to some degree. So somebody who's got Alzheimer's disease, is, 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 they didn't suddenly get Alzheimer's disease. So to, on average, 10% of 65-year-olds have Alzheimer's disease. Sorry, just to go back to answer your question. So dementia is the... Is the, is the umbrella term, and then there's lots of different what what we uh, you know syndromes I guess we call uh, them that can contribute to this brain cell death. So Alzheimer's disease, you know, classically diagnosed um, after death, where you have these amyloid plaques and um, phosphorylated tau. So these are proteins in the brain which are the end result of degenerating brain cells. Um, so that makes up about 80% of dementias. About 20% of dementias are vascular dementias. So they're actually blood vessel problems, which means you don't get enough blood in and you don't get waste products out properly. And you can have both. You, you know, Many people have both because dementia and brain health, it's a whole body disease. It's not a brain disease. It, the brain controls the body. So if the brain's sick, the body doesn't work properly. The body supports the brain. So if the body's, any part in the body's sick, it's not supporting the brain and the brain will degenerate. So if you have a degenerating brain, it's a whole body problem and Very you have cool. to address the whole body. You're never going to find one thing that fixes one part of the body. It's like a, you've got a Ferrari and, and the carburetor's uh, well, it's running poorly. It's old and it's running – a better analogy. You've got a car. It's 50 years old. You take it into the mechanic and say, mate, this car's 50 years old. It's not running properly like it was when it was brand new. I want you to find the one thing wrong with it, fix it, and then it'll be running brand new. Mm. And then it's going to say to you, buddy, this is a 50-year-old car. There's not one thing wrong with it. There's 20 things wrong with it. Mm. You leave the car with me. I'll look at it. I'll find all those things. I'll fix what I can. It'll be running better. It's not going to be running like it was when it was brand new, but it's going to be running a whole lot better. So that's the, that's the philosophy, I think, of with degenerative diseases, especially the brain, is that you identify the things that are broken and fix them, and it runs better. Now, it's not going to be running like it was well, the brain is a 20 or 30-year-old, but it's definitely going to be running better. But as the disease progresses and the sick brain cells start to die off and you start to lose brain size, the more advanced the disease is, the less you can reverse it. Mm. So one of the critical messages is as soon as you start to get signs of uh, cognitive decline, we call it, or, or even early Alzheimer's disease, you've got to get onto it as soon as you can because you've got, you've got cells that are sick because they're not getting what they need or they're getting what they're being poisoned by different things. If you can reverse those cells early on, the cells are still there. So you can make them healthy, then everything works better. But as the disease progresses, those cells get sicker and sicker and they start to die off, mm. then it's a bigger it's a it's a bigger ask. Certainly we now know that you can grow new brain cells in some parts of the brain more than others, but it's a limited degree. The the major um, Sort of recovery is due to making the cells that are left as healthy as possible and keeping them as healthy as possible so they don't become um, you know, in the cemetery with their mates. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds, John, that this is going to be a multifactorial kind of approach. And 
uh, to I mean use the analogy that um, that you I suppose alluding to there with the with the motor vehicle. Um, one of the things we can do as a human is move more. But if your car's not working really well, you can't drive it more. The benefit that we've got of being human is that we can actually move more. And I think in an interview, a previous interview um, with Dr. Michael Woodward, he said that. Um, Discuss, he discussed 42% of all dementia could be prevented with one shift, which is a regular ritual of exercise. And uh, so, how do you feel about that? You know, is exercise a big deal with regards to the health of the brain, or you know, could we be looking at supplementation or diet? What, what, what are the, what's the golden egg here? Um, well, there isn't a golden egg because it's a multifactorial disease, and there's hundreds of things that. Excellent. Good pick up. Yes, I didn't. Yes, I should have asked that question better. Yes, <laughs> well done. <laughs> and this is what uh, Professor Dale Bredesen, who's a professor of neurology at UCLA, when he published the first study two years ago showing uh, 10 case studies reversing Alzheimer's disease. And he was the first person to ever document reversing Alzheimer's disease. And it was because he did a multifactorial approach. He didn't look for the one thing to co that's causing it because there isn't one thing causing it. And if you just treat one thing out of you know, he said 36 holes in the roof is the phrase he used. You've got 36 holes in the roof. If you plug one hole, you've still got 35 holes in the roof. You've still got a leaky roof. Right? So you've got to address as many holes as you can. And ideally, before it's raining, you know, don't wait till it's raining to fix the holes. Uh, fix the holes on a sunny day. So I get it early. Is it is it possible, John, that with that using that 36 holes in the roof analogy that, you know, 10 of those holes might be caused by dementia and, Five of those, sorry, ten of those holes might be caused by poor movement, and five of them may be caused by poor diet, and another five by, say, uh, poor emotional health. Um, no, I would put. So I, I think about movement and exercise in two areas. So there's movement, which gives you health benefits, and there's exercise, which gives you fitness benefits, and you need both. Oh, I like that. So, yeah, good. Yeah. So movement is just don't sit for any longer than you have to. And NASA worked it out on their astronauts that they went into space very fit and healthy, came back quite sick and they thought, okay, it's a lack of moving against gravity and then they studied people who didn't move against gravity, like who sit all day and found that if you sit for more than eight hours a day, it's as bad for your health as smoking, even if you go to the gym. So the body is not designed to be immobile at a desk. It's designed to be a hunter-gatherer. That's what it needs to, for optimal health. So you need to, uh, the basic rules we're talking about now is don't sit for more than three hours a day, don't sit for more than an hour at a time, stand and tr try and get at least 10,000 steps in a day. So stand and move your body as much as you can. And you get a lot of health benefits from that. Then separately from that is the fitness benefits, which you also need for an optimal body and brain. And that's the strength training and maybe the high-intensity interval training for the cardiovascular health and you know, some agility and balance training for coordination. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, Each one of those is... is is one whole, and you know. But I, I think if you were to prioritise it, I suspect that the the most powerful thing is your environment, because that's that's the thing that we have changed the most in the last hundred years. We've gone from an outside life to an inside life, and in the process, we've decreased our physical activity levels. We've decreased our sun exposure, which is not just vitamin D; it's a whole lot of things. Um, we've decreased, our, uh, increased our electromagnetic field exposure. We, uh, along with that, we've totally changed our diet from fresh fruit and veggies and the stuff we pull off the tree and animals we hunt down to stuff that's grown on the other side of, world, of the world and, and got insecticides, herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, colorings, flavorings, preservatives, sweeteners, heavy metals, antibiotics, plasticizers added to it. You know, it's just 90% of what's in the supermarket is, to is toxic. It's just, it's not food. It's edible factory products, it's not designed to make us healthy, it's designed to smell nice, taste nice, 
uh, and have a long shelf life and make the, the manufacturer and the shareholders wealthy. That's the, that's the priority for 90% of the food in the, in the super. Well, it's not food. It's, it's just, as I say, edible factory products. And, and I, I tell people, you know, there's no such thing as junk food. There's either junk or there's food. And most of the stuff that you can buy is, is junk food. It's junk. Yeah, cool. You mentioned the Bredesen uh, research earlier, and, and from what I can gather um, in the research that I've done on you, John, that when you decided to change your life, one of the first things you did was to go over to um, Dr. Dale Bredesen's Buck Institute for Research on Aging and and become acquainted with this Bredesen protocol, which, from what I can gather, is is a large part of what you do at the Heart Clinic. In in terms of a wide sweeping change in say healthcare. Um, for us to get to a point where instead of saying, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia is a normal part of aging, to actually go, no, you know what, we can actually reverse this, we can improve brain health, we can um, reduce the toll that uh, that dementia is taking um, on not just our healthcare system but on our lives. Is this Bredesen Protocol something which is going to is it is it a chance to become more mainstream where rather than just uh, pushing drugs, is it something that can be implemented by the most traditional traditional um, medical doctors, or is it, you know, from your view, is it something that's going to take a while, or maybe never, for people to actually adopt on a large scale? Um, so, two parts to that answer. The first part is Alzheimer's disease is not a disease; it's a bunch of symptoms, and those symptoms are caused by multiple diseases. So that's whenever in medicine, whenever we have give something a Latin name or call it a disease or syndrome. We don't know what the cause is, and usually that's because there isn't a cause. It's actually the end result of a whole lot of symptoms. So when you have cognitive decline, there's a whole lot of different diseases in your body going on, diseases in dis-ease, um, you know, suboptimal function, leading to brain dysfunction, which we then call Alzheimer's disease. So, so Alzheimer's disease is not a disease. It's the end result of a whole lot of dysfunctions going on in your body. But that's the first thing I'd say. So, um, and then the second thing is, you know, Dr. Bredesen showed and other people as well have shown that if you take a multifactorial approach, you can reverse Alzheimer's disease and any neurodegenerative disease, Parkinson's disease, Huntington's. But and early on, you know, when we, we go through the process, so we just like to put names on things in medicine. So we give you the initial process is subjective cognitive impairment, which is where you're aware your brain is not working properly. But the tests are within the normal range. And then if nothing changes and it progresses, then it's mild cognitive impairment, which is where the tests start to become normal. And then it's Alzheimer's disease where you can no longer look after yourself. So um, uh, the multifactorial approach actually requires a large toolkit. And most doctors are not trained. I was never trained in medicine for all the tools that are required in that toolkit. It's the functional medicine toolkit that gives you the tools to address all the different diseases. Modern doctors are trained to basically use surgery and drugs. And, you know, that's what they're skilled at. And there are some diseases where that's going to save your life. But most diseases, chronic degenerative diseases, they're not caused by a lack of surgery or a lack of drugs. There's, there's not one single disease that's caused by a lack of drugs. So why would you treat it? Well, you treat it because it controls the symptoms and it keeps people sick and it keeps them coming back for more. So they're in the system and it's good for pharmaceutical companies and blah, blah, blah. But but uh, it's not addressing the causes. So you've got to have skills in diet. You've got to have skills in um, exercise. You've got to have skills in hormone replacement. You've got to understand environmental influences on health. And those most doctors spend on all those areas about five hours in a six-year degree on all those things. So 
naturopaths are way more skilled in all those things than most doctors. So if a doctor wants to become skilled in functional medicine, they have to do postgraduate training. And there are plenty of places around where you can get good postgraduate training in functional medicine to extend your toolkit so that you can address the 80 to 90% of diseases that people present to you with without having to resort to a drug because that's all you've got. So can I just finish up with one more thing because I know you're about to to start with um, clients for the day. Just I know people that are listening to this are going, all right, I really want to like improve my brain health. And you were saying earlier that you know um, you you could be losing eight thousand a day, but there are ways to improve it um, or to lessen those numbers. For people that want to improve their brain health, that are really inspired from this interview to go, all right, I'm, I just want to I want to do something. What are your suggestions to to reduce that number? That are lifestyle habits that anyone can do and like you said multifactorial or multitasking approach what are some of the easier to implement um, tasks that you would get anyone to do um, as a preventative measure um, well there's a long list because it's not one thing but well, I would send people a to the to my website the heart clinic uh, website which has a, uh, sorry no the website is uh, drjohnhart.com.au which has a one-page list of what I call my non-negotiables if you want to have a long healthy life there are nine areas there. You have to address all of them. And um, so that's a start. But if you want to go into more detail, then you know, the brain book goes into more detail about why the brain ages and what you can do about it. Good work. So, yeah, everyone go to drjohnhart.com.au. We will put the link in there in the um, in the show notes and you will also have a link to the brain book there, uh, wonderful book by Dr. John. Dr. John, thank you so much again for your time. Um, again, we know time is precious and we know the heart clinic is absolutely flying. So thanks for um, your time and thanks for sharing your wisdom on 100 Not Out. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries. Damo, thanks again for your wisdom, folks. There is so much to learn. Go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 not out for the 200 plus episodes of 100 not out and over 1,000 episodes at thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 100 not out. Just make sure you spell it all out and please give us a five-star rating on iTunes when you're next in the store. Until next week, thanks for your time and continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.